An analysis by the not-for-profit Online Trust Alliance estimates more than 740 million records were exposed in 2013, making it the worst year in terms of data breach history. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group, and to discuss data breaches and what organizations can do about them, I'm pleased to be joined by Online Trust Alliance Executive Director and President Craig Spiesel. Welcome, Craig. Well, thanks, Eric. You know, there's that old saw about organizations on the Internet, those that have been breached and those that have been breached but don't know it yet. Do the record number of breaches that you report reflect more organizations knowing they've been breached or are more breaches occurring? It's a combination of factors. Of course, we don't know what we don't know, and, and there's always the companies that either uh, have not had a breach, they don't know they've had it, or those haven't been reported or disclosed. The point is that the cyber criminal is becoming more and more precise, more focused, innovative in many areas, and it just underscores the challenges that businesses, as we are in a big data economy, what our responsibilities are, what I call data stewardship. We'll get that again in a moment. How did you determine that 740 million plus records were exposed in 2013? And is this a worldwide number or just the U.S.? Or? So this is a worldwide number, and our data sources come from multiple uh, ones that we actually hear about directly. But working with organizations like the Open Security Foundation and the Privacy Rights Clearinghouse, who track these these reports as well, take their data, again, the records exposed, and then we then dig down into each one of those instances based on what's been publicly shared. How big of an increase was 2013? When you're looking at it, it's increased in many different areas. For example, if we look at just credit cards and social security numbers, the increase is over fivefold over last year, and that's very concerning. But what's also concerning is the number of breaches of user accounts, credentials, and passwords, which in many ways are some of the most telling areas for compromising identity theft. Look at all across the spectrum. The number of incidents right now are about the same as last year, but what's more telling is the number of records. And what that's really telling us is the cyber criminals are being more focused after going to big targets. And no pun intended, obviously, we're now looking at target over 100 million. That's roughly 50% of adults uh, in the U.S. Start explaining how breaches are maybe different this past year than in the previous years. But let's just take a look over the past five years. You know, five years ago, we were hearing about some big breaches, Heartland Security, for example. So what's different today than five years ago, and what's different today than a year ago? I think the cyber criminals are getting very, very smart. They recognize, for example, that consumers are sometimes lazy and they reuse passwords and usernames. So they find if they're able to compromise a very large target, they may be able to then use those to compromise other accounts downstream. And this is my point to why usernames and passwords are equally, if not more damaging than a bank card number. We're also seeing, and this is uh, observed through monitoring the chats and discussion groups of the, the criminal underlyings, doing a more and more job of sharing data and, bar and trading data. So if you think about data brokers in the business economy, there are data brokers in the underworld economy. In your latest report, the 2014 Alliance Data Protection and Breach Readiness Guide, you determined that nearly 90% of all breach incidents were avoidable, had basic security controls and best practices have been enforced. How do you know that? We're basing our data on reviewing line item by line item of the breaches that are disclosed and, and what happened. For example, unpatched servers for known vulnerabilities exploited. That would be an avoidable example. An employee inadvertently disposing of a hard drive, that would have been avoidable. It's very easy to do that. 
The things that aren't avoidable would be, for example, a zero-day patch. Things that we, we looked at those things because we don't feel a company can be held accountable in that respect. Areas of physical theft, determine criminal coming in and stealing your server or your hard drives or your computers. Conversely, an employee leaving a notebook in their car that had a million records we would say that is avoidable in the perspective there that employees, that data needs to be kept secure and when being used, when being stored and transported. So it's really looking through those criteria of what, what is listing and disclosed. And about 4 to 5% we don't know. We were being conservative in our 89%. Verizon and others have reported a 95 and 97% in past years. Whether it's 90% or 95%, it still underscores the critical importance that businesses take a holistic view of the data they collect, the data they store, and their policies of, of the use of such data. Let's examine that a little further because I think one of the big problems with data breaches is getting access to information that some people would argue that businesses don't need. But then again, that businesses function because they can use this vast amount of data to market their products and uh, provide other kinds of services. I guess there should be a balance there, but is one of the problems is that maybe companies and other organizations just have too much data that they don't really need to keep? Data can be a competitive differentiator for a company. And as a marketer, I think you need to ask that question is what is essentially necessary for your business operations and how long do you keep it for? One of the more concerning parts is your whole data management strategy. Who has access to that data? How do you track that? What provisions do they have? And how do you encrypt that data? Part of that might mean you need to make sure your data is encrypted at all times. It's not just when you're sending it to someone and making sure you're limiting access because, again, if you have user rights allows anyone in your company to have access to it, that's clearly an example that you're, you're setting yourself up for a data loss incident. It's everything from the collection to controlling and then also how, how and when do you dispose of it. Do you find that most organizations really don't examine how to dispose of data, how long to keep it, things like that? There's a big debate at times in the privacy community. What, what's reasonable? How long should you collect data? And there's different types of data. So if you think of transactional data, someone like Amazon, it makes sense that they maintain your, your purchase history of a few years. You may have a question, there may be a problem, or there may be a, a recall. So there are legitimate business reasons of collecting data for several years. On the other hand, if you have a profile of a user and you've mailed them 20 times over the past two years and they've never responded, maybe you should then take that and delete that customer from your database. Obviously, they're not engaged and such. It depends is the answer. And so I guess it range, the range is there. But I guess it just underscores the importance that you look at your data collection uh, procedures holistically and are they still valid based on your current business practices. How about other steps organizations could take? And let's say, you know, I'm not going to ask you some of the specifics of Target because we still don't know everything about Target. But the idea that they, they, they may have kept personal identifiable information couldn't they take in something like a social security number or a password and if they wanted to keep the data, somehow convert it to some other kind of number so if someone did get hold of it, they wouldn't know what it was? Although they, for marketing purposes, they would still have that information about their individual customers? Well, clearly, and that's some of the discussion about both encryption of data, hashing of data, and such, and de-identifying data as well. And those are all practices that companies do. I certainly can't comment specifically about Target. Their problems seem to indicate much more than credit cards. It appears to be their data stores. Um, the data that's been shared is usernames and profiles. Clearly, that there's uh, some broader issues, and you would say, why is that data maintained? Why is it kept encrypted and such? Any final thoughts? 
I think at the end of the day is that as you start the conversation that businesses need to recognize their stewards of data and we need to move beyond a compliance mindset. Compliance is the minimum amount you need to do. I always uh, comment stewardship is what your mother expects you to be doing. So we're stewards of data is the first point. The second point is, as you said, you will have a data loss incident. So how are you prepared? And I think just like in the, in the case of any catastrophe, you need to look at that have your plans in place, and have a thought-out strategy. Thanks, Craig. Great. Well, thank you. I've been speaking with Craig Spiesel. He's Executive Director and President of the Online Trust Alliance for Information Security Media Group. I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.